Let's get the proceedings proceeding this evening, man. Come on, nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 127. That's right, episode 127 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. If you would like to support this podcast, there's a few ways you could do so. Share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. You could leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combos Court. Let me know how you feel about the show. And you could check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. You could become a Combos Court patron. Thanks for the continued support, man. Today's show, Zachary Ramey, host of Off the Glass Podcast, joins in. Zachary is a podcaster. He writes as well. You could follow Zach on Instagram at Zach, the Off the Glass Podcast. That's Z-A-C-H-T-H-E-O-F-F-T-H-E-G-L-A-S-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You know you could find me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Uh, nice day here in Chicago, far as the temperature. So I, I'm, I'm definitely. First time I heard you was on Max's well. podcast. It was a great show. Um, spoke to your hoop journey on that one. Shouts to Max, man. He has a great show, by the way. Yes, he does. I love, I love what uh, Max is doing, especially as a, a representative of like the younger generation. He really knows his history. He really knows his stuff. He puts a lot of thought behind his stuff. So definitely shout out to Max. I got to get Max on for sure. But you spoke to your uh, hoop journey, but can you share that with our listeners before we get started? Yeah, real quick. Like I always say, my story is a unique story. It's kind of a late bloomer story. Uh, fell in love with the game as early as seven years old. I started playing organized basketball, something called small fry basketball that still goes on now. Um, was fortunate to travel, play against some really tough guys. So like I told Max, my era of small fry consists of guys like Sean Dockery, Will Bynum, uh, D. Brown, and went to Illinois. Uh, Jason Strait, another guy. A lot of, lot of top guards that come out of Chicago in the Chicagoland area. We all play small fry, um, women including like a Cappy Pondexter um, from the West Side. She plays small fry as well. Then from there, went to high school. Didn't play in high school. My family moved to the suburbs. That's a story within itself. Um, came into high school, 4'11", 90 pounds. Uh, left high school, 5'7", 130. Coach thought I was too small, even though I was the best point guard in our school. Um, never gave up, stuck with it. Ended up going to a junior college in Norfolk, Nebraska. It's a D1 called Northeast. Uh, we played in the Region 9 region, so we played against, like, Western Nebraska. That's Bobby Jackson that played with the Kings. Indian Hills, uh, Iowa Western, you name it. We played a lot of top schools in the Jayhawk Conference in Kansas. Uh, wasn't the best student, but did hit a crazy growth spurt. So by the time I leave there, I'm basically the height I am now, which is about 6'3", like 165. 
decided to finish up at a D3 so I could have my last two years of eligibility. I didn't want to forfeit one because I redshirted while I was there because I was so small coming in. And I uh, finished up at Benedictine University, which is out in Lyle, which is a suburb about 45 west, 45 minutes west of Chicago. Um, we were, what, 41 and 15 in two years, high school ranking at the time, went to the national tournament. So I had a really good career from there. Did the minor league thing here in the States, the ABA, the IBL that doesn't exist anymore, the PBL. Um, played in the PBL for two teams, the Rockford Fury, which was a, uh, where Fred Van Vliet is from. It's a city north of Chicago, Rockford. Um, played for the Halifax Rainmen that still compete in the Canadian League now, so very high-level league. Then um, had a short stint at a Pro 1 team in Poland, at the top level in Poland, and then played two years at the second division in um, Finland. I played Division 1 Juco as well, uh, Region 15, um, was all region there. And then I actually was okay. not a school guy either, so I played in the ABA for a year and then went overseas for 10 years. So we have some similarities. Wow. And speaking of similarities, okay. your motto for your podcast resonates, resonates with me so much. Um Fan of no team, lover of the game. And that's me for sure as well. And I think it, I think when you have that mentality, it's just easier yeah. for you to analyze the game because your, emo- your emotion is not involved. Yeah, right, right. I just grew up liking, liking players. I, and I'm, I'm here in Chicago during the whole entire Jordan era. Like, I'm old enough. I made 38 this year, so I'm old enough to remember them winning their first championship. Like, we really remember it. And – being happy for the city, but I would be lying if I said I was like this hardcore Bulls fan. I liked Isaiah Thomas, Magic, you know, all the guys from that era just as much as I like Jordan. You know, that's just how I enjoyed the game. I didn't pick a right. team and root well, for well, a team. Myself, I really I love players. A Bulls fan, but since I was a kid, I haven't been a fan of anybody. Whatever it was, <laughs> okay. Jordan was okay. done, I was pretty much done with being a fan. And also, I had, that ment- I had a New York City mentality where I didn't want to be a fan of anything except myself. Like, we were crazy. Like, kids from New York, I mean, right. It's a gift and a curse, but we just we're really into ourselves in a lot of ways. I think it's a dope mentality, man. Uh, you know, New York and Chicago, we definitely always battle over like who who's the mecca, who produced the most talent. Uh, I remember a quick story when Anwan was here that last year when they really had that big run, and um, I got to go to the open run and it was on ESPN and all that kind of stuff, and I got to meet Escalade yeah. and those guys, RIP Escalade. And um, I remember them sitting there just arguing for, like, hours over who produced the most pros, who had the toughest high schools, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a unique camaraderie. I think it's a mutual respect, uh, New York and Chicago. But in my humble opinion, I think, like, our two cities, man, I think we're up there as far as, you know, being the, 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 the producers of just really good, tough, hard-nosed, just know how to play the game type of basketball. I mean, that might be a little biased, but that's just my – travels across the country i'm not saying there's not hoopers everywhere yeah it was so okay. yeah so we're, we're on the same page okay. for fans of no team i've been like that for a while people hit me up and they're like they probably they think i'm a luka Doncic fan but it's i mean i i do like his game but that's just what i saw straight from the draft <laughs> and i told everybody about it people hit me up like look at what your knicks are doing i'm like i'm not a knicks fan i'm a fan of no team so so you tuned into the live pod <laughs> right I, I i put it out on ig um you weren't you weren't big on uh Eric, I mean, yeah. it wasn't my show. Eric's a good guy. I didn't have him on. It was my first. It was my first time meeting Eric, but he had the yeah, 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 his magic yeah. comparison. You weren't feeling that. Uh, what do you take away from that whole podcast? Because I know you were tuned in the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I get it. I was just kind of taking it in. I don't know. I think the whole Ben Simmons narrative is a fascinating narrative. Um, 
I think his main issue, and I think people miss what I'm saying, okay. is I just don't think he's a point guard. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think he's good. I don't think he's not talented. I just don't think he's a point guard. I played the position. So my perspective, and then I played it kind of how he plays it. I've always led in assists. I was a passing type of point guard. So I see the floor. I get all that. And there's things like he'll do at the end of the game. Like I remember, I can't remember who they was playing. They were playing at home. It was like a crucial possession. And he came down, didn't really get them in anything, didn't orchestrate anything. It kind of was just flat, you know, flailing all over the place. He gave it up. And then because he's not an offensive threat, he kind of just hung out at the three-point line. And then they right. kind of doubled off on him. They didn't get a good shot. And I just see that a lot with him. So to compare him to Magic, I'm just like, wow, have we got that far away from the greats? Like, do we actually remember how Magic played and who Magic was? The way he handled the ball, he was famous for turning his back on you and just pointing over the defense, constantly directing people, putting people in this position. Hey, I want you over here, Cap. Come on through, Coop. Oh, how low worthy? Like, right. he, Simmons doesn't do any of that. So I came to the conclusion with Simmons, and I don't think it's going to happen in Philly, is they're going to end up moving him where we it remains to be seen, obviously, because the offense is just too clunky. You have to surround him around four shooters you have to you have to surround him around four shooters or like I suggested do like a Jamal Murray Jokic uh, comparison or pairing in Denver where he has that other point guard to kind of take the pressure off of him as far as sole playmaking duties and that way he can kind of be like a point forward in the half court now fairness to Philly I think they thought they was getting that from Josh Richardson but he was injured early on and he hasn't quite got that rhythm and hit his stride yet. Please see where you're coming from. Um, a lot of times when people, when the guy who brings the ball up, they just consider them the point guard, you know, which does it, doesn't necessarily make you a point guard. I just right. think not just as a player, I think Ben Simmons is underrated at this point, just from the fact that his, like his raw stats aren't eye popping and, and obvious, and the obvious factor that he can't shoot. I just right. think people dwell on those things, you know, and it's not really fair, but this is what I wanted to ask you about the Sixers. Um, with the current roster they have, let's say they're making no mm-hmm. trades, because I think this is interesting. And actually, uh, I know you mentioned Coach Nick earlier before the before our conversation. I'd love to ask him this. What would you do to unlock their offense just with the current roster they have? I will figure out a way. It's kind of almost like what Houston's doing with Westbrook and Harden, uh, staggering their minutes and then closing with them in the fourth. I will figure out a way to kind of yes. stagger him and, and beat and try to have – as much shooting, so that means you play Cormont's Yeah, the shooter. I hope the I don't pronounce yeah. his name wrong, but the, the he comes off the bench. The shooter, um, Tobias Moore, Horford Moore. I would try to find lineups where him and Embiid are not on the court um, as much as possible. And then at the end, I will put the onus on Embiid. I'm sorry. I think he should be more vocal. I think down the stretch, especially in the playoffs, as much as we want to shoot threes nowadays, and I'm not like Shaq and Barkley. Um, I, I kind of even disagreed a little bit with Rick Carlisle the other night. I think there's something to be said where every once in a while you can have a guy that can go down on the block or close to it and get you a bucket or at least get you fouled. So I will figure out a way down the stretch to have them where they're playing through and beat on the block, kind of almost like a, a pseudo high-low type of thing and keep Simmons' man as far away as possible to keep them from doubling off and B. But the first answer would be 
staggering their minutes and then playing with pace. When they were successful against Milwaukee, I felt like they played with pace because they were able to just kind of get the ball and go and they were getting shots and Milwaukee wasn't getting matched up. I would say, though, that the Mavs offense, I don't know if post-ups would would be conducive to their offense only because of the spacing. and. Oh, no. Yeah. With their offense, I totally agree with what he was saying. I think it varies. Quick hitters are what's are what have so much value. And I know you made comparisons with Giannis and Ann Davis. And what I like about Ann Davis in the playoffs, I feel like things are going to come easier to him. I know you said he floats, but I think his ability to, like, make floaters with either hand, um, shoot spot-up threes at a better clip than Giannis, I just think he's going to have an easier time in the playoffs and it's going to be harder to key in on. I agree. I agree 100% with that. My whole comparison with him and with the whole L.A. bias was just how we come up with these narratives for certain players. And it's not any fault to Anthony Davis. It's just a product of where he plays and who he plays for with the Lakers. And I was just trying to highlight that. If we're saying that Giannis, I mean, if A.D. is having an MVP and defensive player year type of season, he's the leading candidate. When Giannis is actually better across the board as far as awards, then you have to make that comparison to give the the the, uh, the the edge to Giannis. But to your point, I agree, because I was screaming that in the Christmas Day game. And he had two back-to-back possessions. You know what I'm talking about. He faces up on yeah. Harold, makes the jump shot the first time. The second time, I would love to see him just do a show-and-go, shot fake, jab step, whatever, and get to the basket and make the onus on the refs to, um, to blow the whistle. That's when I want them to play a little bit more inside. Not in a steady diet of post-ups, but I just think they have to be more cognizant that they were selling for jump jumpers. They don't. And the Clippers have no rim protection like that. Dominate that block at times and mix it up, and then your jump shooting and then your your ball handling. That's when you become super unstoppable. Before I move on, because I want to move on to LeBron. I wanted to move on to LeBron because you got some yeah. interesting things to say about LeBron that I I think I have a bone to pick with, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben and I always said this, Ben <laughs> had Giannis's situation. I guess it all ties in together because we were just talking about Giannis. If Ben had Giannis' situation, that'd be perfect for him. Oh, it'd be 100% perfect. Um, I haven't – I'll say it here on your podcast. I recorded just a little video on my ride into work where I'm looking at the landscape, like where would be perfect for Ben? Outside of Milwaukee, I yeah. would love to see Ben in yeah. Golden State. If you can trade him right. for Draymond straight up with maybe a couple picks and hopefully they don't ask for D'Angelo Russell, could you imagine – a younger, because for all his shortcomings offensively, love his defense. So you put him on that team, you got a younger Draymond Green a little bit as far as defense, more athletic. Maybe he's not as vocal, but the IQ and everything is just as there. And you have Steph, Clay, and DeLangelo Russell with him. Oh, man, I would I would love to see that roster. But, yeah, I agree. Our last pod, you said uh, you whispered to everybody that LeBron is not the best player. The sixth best player, I don't know about that. <laughs> the reason why I got LeBron as the best player still is because I think he just adds the most value. He does more with less, like more than anybody else pretty much. Like when you take him off any team, you see how they plummet, right? If you take Kawhi off his teams, they, they usually do pretty well. And that's why I have LeBron over everybody else. And also just his ability to uplift the whole franchise with his passing ability and his vision and everything he does off the court. I think he gets everybody on the same page and he just does less with more. Um, but why do you think he's the about the fifth or sixth best player in the league? Well, I got him number one. I just like to hear your thoughts. So real quick, I was just trying to be creative. Okay. Everybody was putting out their rankings. So I decided to look at the chessboard and I decided to rank the top players in the league based on pieces on the chessboard. 
So I don't play chess like that, but my father-in-law does. So he told me that it's it's obviously the king because that's who you're protecting. So king, queen. Then I asked him the difference between a, a rook, a bishop, etc. So after the queen is your rooks. And what I did was because there's two on each side, then that's four spots. So for my king comparison, I took Kawhi because I just felt like it was Kawhi's turn. Now, being completely transparent, I didn't factor in load management. I didn't know how the season was going to play out and all that. But I just thought, like, coming off the finals and the playoffs he had, I just really thought, like, hey, it's his time now. Um, I had Steph 1 and Kawhi 2. For me, I always thought Steph, KD, and LeBron were at the top, and then it was everybody else. So I've always held Steph maybe at a higher regard than a lot of other people. Then from there, I was like, Giannis is coming off the MVP. He's peaking. He's coming really into his own. And then I was like, AD is going to be healthy. He's joining LeBron. So I had Giannis three and four, giving Giannis the slight edge because he did win the MVP. So then my rooks were KD and only had KD that low because he was hurt. That's why I said he probably – because I would have KD in front of LeBron. I had James Harden. I had Damian Lillard, and I had LeBron. Those were my rooks. So – my thing with LeBron is everything you said, I have enough perspective. You're spot on. I agree 100%. One caveat I will offer, though, about him when he leaves teams, because of how LeBron is, right, wrong, or otherwise, I'm not judging, the way they build teams kind of have a tendency to gut rosters and kind of and gut their future, especially with draft picks to kind of surround him with the right. Yeah, you go on in. I get it. But you have other teams like Toronto where – I love the way you saw Jerry and that, just the whole staff, the whole culture there. They brought Kawhi in, but they didn't gut their team. So it's like if Kawhi leaves, they're still a viable franchise. And I think that's what you see sometimes with LeBron. And that's the cost of doing business with somebody like LeBron as a great player. You kind of left with that aftermath. So that would be my only caveat to that. The other one I would say is when I watch him play against the Clippers or these other echelon teams, the athleticism is just not there anymore. He smartly takes – it's almost like how I am at 38. You know, I can still go to an open gym and be one of the best players in the open gym, but I'm not playing hard. And I just think that once you get to – and the way I look at it anyway with the all-time greats, once you're in that top 10, man, in yes. a lot of ways you're kind of just splitting hairs. I think they're all great. So that's why when I say for me, year 17 – 60,000 plus minutes. Like when I went to basketball reference and saw that for the article I wrote, I was like, man, it's just time. It's just time. And it happens to the best of them. And um, I just think it's his time that we just go ahead and surrender that torch. That doesn't mean in the championship. And that doesn't mean LeBron isn't dominant in doing so because we know the regular season is different from the playoffs. I just think it is it's time. And when you play against the Clippers, it was obvious. Now, I know people are going to say he might have been injured, but I'm from the old school. I don't remember certain guys talking about injuries. I just don't. If they laced it up, they went out there and played. So I'm going to apply the same thing to LeBron. Bottom line, I said this on Twitter, the Clippers have assembled a roster of guys that they can throw at LeBron. It's like a big bullpen. And then they bring in Mariano Rivera and Kawhi or Paul George, whatever night, to close it out against LeBron. And I just feel like he's not at that level anymore where we're going to put Jermichael Green, Mo Harkless, even Pat Bev is going to get some, Patrick Patterson to get some minutes. Montrose Harold might get a couple possessions. And then save the two best wing defenders in the game to close them out. 
Bro, you know he has the class. I just feel like nobody has took the crown yet. And I think it and I think who would have had the best chance this year would have been KD. Okay. You know, if he would have continued continue to approve. Kawhi is agree. Agree. He's all time great. I just don't think he uplifts the whole organization the way a LeBron does as of right now. See, and we'll and we'll see in the playoffs. I could be I wrong, agree with that. But I do I think I do have the Lakers over the Clippers in the playoffs, right. even though they lost twice. Right. How many games? I'd say six or seven. I I'll go seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because, as you said okay. before, the Clippers lack rim protection, and and the Lakers have AD, they have Dwight, and they even have Jabelle, who's who's underrated as a, you know, as a rim runner and a, and a lob threat. So I just think it'll be tough for the Clippers. Yeah. And I think that'll wear on them over a seven game series. And playoff LeBron is real. He gets better in the playoffs. Thoughts on yep. why the Clippers will win? Because I've heard you say that. I just think again, my my bullpen theory. I think it's a lot of bodies. Um. We're asking AD to do something that we haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, he's a Chicago kid. I'm rooting for him. Hopefully, he doesn't float. He, uh, Hopefully, LeBron empowers him to be more dominant. Um, and then that supporting cast with the Lakers. Um, I like JaVale, but you got to play JaVale in spurts sometimes defensively, um, depending on what the matchups are. He's a great rim protector, not so great in pick and roll sometimes. Um, yeah, I just think they're – I like the names. I mean, Dwight has had a great season. Shots out to him. For me, I just looked at the Clippers' supporting cast and their ability to throw multiple bodies on LeBron. I just thought their supporting cast is a tad bit better than the Lakers. And if we're saying Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, I give the slight edge to the Clippers. Now, in fairness, I agree with you. I don't think the Clippers sweep them or win in five. I had the Clippers in seven. Actually, our predictions are pretty similar. Just the outcome in the seventh game is different. Right. That's it. That's it. And, I, and again, I still I want people when they hear this, I still love and respect Le- LeBron. But I just think when you're going up against that many different bodies and Paul George and Kawhi are both in a prime. And if they're sharp, that's a tough order in year 17 with 60,000 minutes. It almost seems like blasphemy to compare anybody to Jordan. But from your research at looking at looking at Jordan and Harden as scorers and comparing them, what do you see? I see it's very similar, and it was surprising to me um, when I looked at the the traditional numbers. And what I did was I took that three-year run in George's three-year run when he peaked out at averaging 37 at one year, and I think he came back the next year at like 32. So I took those three years, and I took Harden's last two in the current season, and the numbers were almost identical. Like, it was kind of scary. The shooting percentages were almost identical. James had more assists because he handles the ball more, more pick and roll, different style of play. But, like, the, the per 100 possessions, Harden had more points. And all I was trying to illustrate combo, people really thought, and that's why I was like, I was saying Harden was better. That's not what I was saying. I was just saying that certain guys come along in an era yes. and they raise the bar of the game. Like, we should be applauding James Harden for his creativity and for his innovation, and I said it in the podcast, what clicked to me is, you hoop, bro. Like, explain to the public on your show, like, how hard that step back is. Not the one everybody debates that's a travel, but just the side step back as a lefty going left. Like, the I don't think people – Like, and you you know, the sh- like, the what I'm saying, like, that step back is, is a hard shot. Like, that's a hard, skillful shot, and he's shooting that with range under contested defense. So it's like when you look at his innovation, his creativity, 
taking the game to a next level within the 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 uh the rules. Him and KD are going to battle it out to see who will be remembered as the best scorers of this era. Just like Jordan would be remembered as the best scorer of his era. I'm taking Jordan number one overall because I I just saw him do it in so many different ways and I got to witness it live. And and it's very close. But all I was trying to illustrate was that it's closer than people think. It doesn't sound crazy. What we're witnessing from Harden – Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain are only people to even to even do this. You know, I would is. actually have KD over Harden, even though he might not ever get these type of numbers. Just for the simple fact, when you start trapping and doubling KD, he could just shoot right over the defense, and that's why he ha- that's why he has a couple of Finals MVPs. You know, that's Facts. what I think separates him from even Harden. Obviously, we're splitting hairs, but that's why I would take KD as a scorer over Harden. I probably would yeah. too, because again, we can't teach seven feet. As a as a wing, it's just it's it's absurd to be that size and uh, handle the ball. But that's all I was trying to inis- illustrate was the fact that just just enjoy what we're doing. I know we have to push content and we're doing podcasts now, and Jordan didn't have to do that. But we I think we get to the point now where we're just nitpicking and want to compare and debate things all the time. And I just want to keep it in perspective that each era stands on its own merit. I really wanted to know uh, what's the goal with your podcast? Where can we find you and everything else? It was great talking to you. And we got to do this again, man. We got to do this again for sure. We definitely do. I got to have you over on the Off the Glass podcast. My goal for me is I have lofty goals, man. I'm I'm working hard to build a media brand. I want to leave my nine to five, or I should say my 12-hour shifts I have to do and do this full time, man, and kind of restore talking about sports, but in this case, basketball with perspective. And not hot takes and just arguments and debates. I'm passionate about the game. I love the game. It's taught me everything I know. It's my foundation. So for me, it's just really building this media platform. And wherever it goes, the sky's the limit. That's what I'm working to do. Um, as far as finding me, the website is the name of the podcast, WWD Off The Glass Podcast. I also write. So make sure to drop me an a email. Subscribe. It's free. We don't sell our email list. But when I get a, write a blog post, you'll get in your email. So I'm writing content over there. Uh, the Instagram is Zach the Off the Glass Podcast. Twitter, I'm always interacting on Twitter. It's ZJ at the Off the Glass, and then um, Facebook page is the Off the Glass Podcast, man. So that's that's pretty much where you can where you can find me. We haven't known each other that long, but you always show a lot of support, and I and I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Combo. I came across you on happenstance. I think okay. it was the Rashad okay. Phillips interview, and me and Rashad are you know are. I would, yeah. you know, good friends in the business. You know, I, I consider him a mentor. So when I saw him on there and I heard you, I was like, oh, he knows what he's talking about as well. I immediately downloaded and subscribed and I started listening to your stuff. Shouts out to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I love the content. There it is. Episode one, two, seven of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Zach for joining in. We appreciate you. Go leave a five star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combos Court. Check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll put a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode one, two, eight. Combo out.